Lucky. All right, why don't you guys, uh, you guys excited to be here, Initiate 2018? Uh, as I probably already alluded to this, but this is absolutely hands down one of my favorite events that we get to put on because it's for leaders. And I love, I don't have to get jacked up about pouring into leaders because I, I just believe it's one of the things God has actually called me to do. And, and so it doesn't take a whole lot to get me excited for this event. Um, because it's leadership, and I just believe in leaders so much and what you guys do. And so we want you, first and foremost, on behalf of Pastor Bev and myself, we just appreciate all that you guys do. You serve faithfully day in, day out, and uh, lots of time for no particular credit or glory that you get here on earth, but we know you're storing up rewards in heaven. Um, but we, uh, we, just, we pray and hope that by the end of tomorrow, when you leave here tomorrow night, that you actually feel a little bit more equipped, a little bit more refreshed, a little bit more energized to go back and to continue doing what you do, advancing the kingdom in your community that God's called you to. Amen? Amen. Why don't you turn in your Bibles? We want to, I, I got to get right to this word because uh, it's just burning a hole inside of me here. So uh, I need to get it out before I just blow a gasket here. Uh, Genesis, this has been brewing for quite some time, actually. Uh, as you know, the theme is dream, and so uh, we're going to go there uh, throughout the course of the, the next 24 hours. Um, we're going to go there. So turn in Genesis chapter 37, very familiar story, the story of Joseph. And so uh, if you know this story, great. If you don't, you're about to know it, all right, or at least a little bit more than maybe you did when you walked in. So Genesis chapter 37, and I'm going to bounce around. This is a very long story. It's multiple chapters. I'm not going to read through the whole thing, but I encourage you guys as leaders to on your own time actually take, uh, take a few moments or, or maybe over the next little while in your own devotional life um, and, and just read through the story of Joseph. I know it'll, it's just been rocking my life over the past uh, month or so, so uh, I know it'll do the same for you. I'm going to start at verse 5. You guys cool with that? You got your Bibles? Hopefully, as leaders, you have you either turn it on, on your phone, device, whatever, or open it up, old school style. Anyone have an old school Bible in the house? All right, cool. Just feel free to actually talk back to me in that. I know we're in a, you're not, can I just say this, leaders, you're not on right now. Everyone just take a deep breath. Okay, I know some of you have leaders of your own that are here, and you're still, you still feel like you're leading them to a certain extent, but... Can, can you just be poured into? I know that's tough to do as leaders because you're not used to doing that. But can I say that in here? Can you just relax and let God minister to your heart? You're not on right now. Okay? That pressure's on us right now, so don't you carry that right now. You're not on. Just take that cap off for a second and, and just, just allow God to minister to your heart. Okay? And uh, I know and believe he's going to do that through his word tonight. Genesis chapter 37 verse 5 says this. Joseph had a dream. Everybody say dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. Yo, check it out. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. <laughs> his brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. And he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. 
Now jump down to the second part uh, of verse 17. 17b says this. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. So Joseph has this dream, tells it to his brothers, two dreams actually. They get angry, they get jealous, and they come up with this plan to kill him. Verse 19, I love this. Here comes that dreamer. This is his brother speaking. Here comes that dreamer. Anyone ever said that over you, over your life? You know, you walk up in a situation, a group of people. Oh, here comes the dreamer again. I just believe there, there should be telltale signs of a dreamer when a dreamer comes in the room. Those people that have dreams because they're full of life and expectancy and joy. And anyways, they said to each other, come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Verse 21, when Reuben heard of this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, guys. Seriously, chill. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the desert. Don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into a cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Let's pray. Father, I, I pray that you would help me to, to get this out the way that you've put it in my heart. Help me to do that in such a way that doesn't confuse anyone. I, I pray you'd bring clarity to your word tonight. It is powerful. And so, God, just don't let me mess that up because you have a word from your word tonight. And, and I pray that you would help me to articulate that, not with wise and persuasive words, but as Paul prayed, with a demonstration of the Spirit's power in this room tonight. That's what I'm believing for. We need your power tonight, Jesus. So, Father, go before us and set the stage and make our hearts right to receive what you have and what you want to give us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. I, I had a dream as a young boy. I had a dream, a very, very passionate dream that one day I was actually going to be the next Wayne Gretzky. Aw, Thanks for the pity, sympathy, ah, that's nice, it was cute. I don't know why you would say, ah, obviously that means you, you do not believe with me that I could have ever done that. And that's why you say, ah, that was a sympathetic, ah, <laughs> not a chance, but ah, that's cute. I get it. I had this dream, though, that I was one day going to be the next way. I was going to play in the NHL. And so this dream actually consumed my every thought, my every waking moment. Even when I was sleeping, I would have dreams about skating down the ice in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final. And, and I would have the announcers in my head. Bob Cole and Harry Neal would be announcing it. Some of you have no idea who that is. I had this dream. And it fueled me. It was my passion. And uh, I remember getting up, like, I ate, slept, drank hockey. Hockey was my life growing up, and, and I couldn't get enough of it. I, I literally would get home from school. I would do my homework as fast as I could get it done. First thing I would do when I got home, do my homework so I could go out, be in the driveway, and play road hockey all night. And, and I'd be out in the driveway. I'd be perfecting my shot, and I'd have targets set up. And I spent hours, literally hours upon hours in my driveway, sometimes by myself. Sometimes the neighbor kids would come by, and we'd get a game of road hockey going. It didn't matter, though, if I was by myself or there was 10 other people. I would literally spend hours outside. 
I'd get called in for supper, and then after supper, I'd do my chores, and then be right back out until it was my bedtime. And, and they'd actually have to come. We had a, a, a school, a Catholic school down the street. We lived at the end of a court, and we would all take our hockey nets down there after supper because there was lights there, and even in the dark, we were playing until our parents would come and call us in. We did, this was my dream. I remember literally being in like novice and peewee. I remember going into my dad's room. We'd have 6 a.m. practices. I would, I would go into my mom and dad's room. They'd still be sound asleep. I would go in and I would have to wake my dad up at 5 a.m. for the 6 a.m. practice because I wanted to be the very first one to the rink every time. And so I would be that kid. We would be that, me and my dad, hanging out in the car, freezing cold in the middle of winter. We'd be hanging out waiting for the arena attendant to show up and unlock the building. Be the first ones there. Probably drove my dad nuts. He never said anything, never complained. But I don't know. That would drive me nuts if my son did that. I, I probably drove him crazy. But this was my dream. It didn't matter because this thing fueled me. It was my passion. It got me up in the morning. And I, it didn't matter to me how much sleep I got. I just had to be in the NHL. I had to be the next Wayne Gretzky. And so I get to the rink. And this is back in the day. I'm aging myself now for a moment. But this was back in the day when, when we don't have nice that you just turn on with the flick of a switch. These were like gas-filled bulbs, you know, that took a while to actually come on. And so I would be out there, the first kid on the ice, the rest of my team wouldn't even have shown up yet. I'd be out there skating around in the dark. And one by one, the lights would begin to pop on. And I'd just be skating around shooting pucks. It didn't matter. Nobody else in the building, freezing cold. There's still like fog coming up from the ice. And it just, it was life for me. And I did everything Wayne Gretzky did. I watched his every move. I remember literally, this is a Kings jersey. Uh, some of you would know that he originally played for the Oilers first. I cried. I still remember it. Clark, you remember it. You know. I know you're a big Gretzky fan. I cried the day Gretzky got traded. I still have the newspaper article in my house, in a box, where Gretzky's on the front page. In it, yep, in, it, in a shirt, and he's got tears. He's crying in the press conference. I have that paper. This was my dream. I, I tucked my jersey in the same way Gretzky did. I had a Titan stick that I used to hacksaw notches in after every goal. Because this is what I heard Gretzky did as a kid. And so I would do anything to imitate him because this was my dream. And on bad days, on stressful days, you know, as I started to get older and get stressed out about life or things would get me down, you know what I would turn to? I'd go back to the dream. And I'd just think, you know, if something wasn't going my way or something was, was, was going bad in my life, I'd just think, one day I'm going to play in the NHL. It doesn't matter. I got hockey, and that's all that matters. I had this dream. There's only one problem with my dream. It was the source. The source of my dream was, was the issue. I want to talk to you tonight from the title, The Power of a Dream. The Power of a Dream. In this very first session of Initiate 2018, I want to talk to you from the title, The Power of a Dream. How many know dreams are a powerful thing? Dreams can actually fuel you. And I actually don't believe there's anything wrong with a dream. I actually think you need to have a dream. The dreams are actually a very powerful necessity in our lives. Dreams have, have the power to actually keep you joyful, keep you expectant. Just as they said about Joseph in Scripture, they said, oh, here comes the dreamer again. Why did they say that? Because Joseph was jacked about his dream. And they could smell that a mile away. And so I believe dreamers are faith-filled, expectant, joyful people because they're fueled by their dreams. And they allow the dreams they have 
to fuel them. There's something so powerful about a dream. Listen to me, leaders, especially you as leaders. You know what I've learned in life and leadership? Leaders don't burn out from being overworked. They don't. Leaders burn out because they're not able to lean into the the dreams and passions that are in their heart. And the moment that that happens, that's when a leader begins to burn out. And passion begins to drop. And passion begins to die because they're not able to lean into the dreams that are inside of them. You see, the issue is not your dream. The issue is not you having a dream. The issue is the source of your dream. Who is the source? Where did your dream come from? That's the issue. And I see and I watch people waste all kinds of time and energy on their aspirations and their dreams. And their dreams are simply all about them. They're all about them. It's about them. It's about furthering their career or or making a name for themselves. And they have these great dreams, but the focus is themselves. And getting to this spotlight position or this spotlight platform or, or doing this with their lives. And when you peel back all the layers of it and as good as it looks, it comes back to them personally. It's about them. You see, I believe here tonight that God has actually given you a dream. You're like, some of you may be thinking, what? I I don't really have a dream. I, I don't really. I believe there is a dream inside of you that God has actually put in you. Here's the thing, though. It's not for you. God has put a dream inside of every single one of us, just as he did Joseph, but it's not for you. There's a dream in you, but it's not for you. And I'm going to unpack that the rest of our time here tonight. You're going to see that by the end of this, I hope, and I pray. Here's the bottom line. If you, if you miss everything else I'm to say tonight, if you would just get this. Because people say powerful things. People, you know, when a dream's about you, people will say things like, hey, just follow your dreams. It's a great statement to say, right? Just follow your dreams. And there's something cool and nostalgic about that, just following your dreams. And we tell our kids things like that. Just follow your dreams. But it's actually incorrect. We need to be following The God-given dream, the dream that God has actually put inside of us. And here's what I've found. When it's a God-given dream, this is the bottom line. If you miss everything else, get this. A God-given dream doesn't need to be followed. It will follow you. A God-given dream doesn't need to be followed. It will follow you. It follows you the rest of your life. When it's a God-given dream and it's not just your dream, it will follow you the rest of your life. You can't get away from it. You can't shake it. God has put inside of every single one of us in this room a dream. What's a dream? A divine responsibility and trusting you to accomplish the mission for your life. God's put a dream in you. Put it up there, Carter, if you would. A dream, a divine responsibility and trusting you to accomplish the mission that God has for your life. That's what a dream is. That's the God-given dream inside of you. It's a divine responsibility. It's a responsibility from him, from above, that he's entrusted you with to accomplish the mission over your life, what he wants to do in you and through you. That's God's dream for you. This is exactly, and listen, when you attach your life to that, When you attach your life to a dream like that, I'm telling you, you don't need to go follow your dreams. You don't need to listen to that, oh, just follow your dreams. You just need to be faithful to God. And this dream will follow you. 
Joseph, in this story, this is exactly what we find happening with the life of Joseph. Crazy story. Uh, Joseph is probably one of my, my favorite stories. I think it was the first sermon I ever preached as a, as a pastor was a, was, a, was a message on Joseph and his dreams. And so Joseph has this crazy dream. We read it just a few moments ago. He has this crazy dream of, of his brothers bowing down to him, of him becoming this king, this ruler, okay? He has this crazy, awesome dream, and, and he thinks, oh, yay, I'm going to be king. This is going to be awesome. And he goes out immediately, and he tells his brothers, he tells his entire family, even his dad, those closest to him. Now, word of caution, be careful who you share your dreams to. Sometimes it's the people closest to you that you would least expect that can be dream crushers and dream wreckers the moment you tell them. And so he goes out, he tells his brothers, tells his father, his father, his dad even rebukes him for it. Okay, his, his brothers get envious, they get jealous, and they come up with this plan to kill him. Now listen to me, leaders, especially youth pastors, children's pastors, listen to me. Don't expect the people, the first time you share the dream or the vision that God's given you, even for your ministries, don't expect your leadership teams or the people around you to share the same excitement and joy and happiness the first time you share the dream and the vision with them. Give them time, Okay. God took some time to give it to you, and, and it, had to, it had to permeate, it had to, it had to roast like in a, in a pressure cooker. It, it had to kind of, it had to simmer for a bit in you. And so don't expect them to share the same excitement the first time you share it with them. Give them time, okay? A little side note. Joseph has his dream. His brothers come up with this plan to kill him. One of the brothers, Reuben, says, now nah, let's just throw him in a pit. Easier, less messy. Reuben's got this plan that later on when the boys are not around, the rest of his brothers, he can actually take them and save them, rescue them, take them back to his dad because he's got pity on them. But that's not what happens. In the meantime, these Midianites, these Ishmaelites show up and they end up selling Joseph. We didn't read it. I'll just tell you, give you some context. They end up selling Joseph for 20 shekels. These Ishmaelites continue on towards Egypt and they end up selling Joseph another time to this dude named Potiphar who was one of Pharaoh's officials. And so Joseph lands in Potiphar's house, and because of the favor that he found, he did a good job with what was put in front of him, he finds some favor with Potiphar. Now, you're sitting here in Initiate 2018, and you might be thinking, okay, what in the world does this have to do with me here in 2018 as a leader in my church, you fill in the blank, whatever community you're from. What in the world does this have to do with us? I believe it has so much to do with you. And here's what I want you to get. Here's what you need to see tonight. Because when God gives you a dream, mm. when, when you get a dream, a God-given dream, a, a divine responsibility entrusting you to accomplish the mission, would you have something like that in you? Listen, dreams come from two different perspectives. We actually view our dreams from two different lenses. And we as leaders, we as people, as Christ followers, we actually have to be able to distinguish which lens we're viewing the dream from or we'll get messed up and we'll drop the dream. We'll let it die. You need to know what lens you're viewing your dream from. Let me explain. Some of you are like, oh, what, are you, what are you talking about? You're losing me here. Let me unpack this. The first lens, the first view when you get a dream, a God-given dream, God allows you to see it from the distance. From a distance. This is the very first view we get of our dreams is from a distance. This is what we see with Joseph. Joseph has this dream, I'm going to be king. 
My bros, my family, they're going to bow down and worship me. How cool is that? That's a pretty awesome dream. I'm going to have this power. I'm going to be king. It's going to be legit. Oh, this is going to be so cool. I need to go tell my brothers. They're going to love this. See, he sees it from a distance, and right away, Joseph makes this massive mistake. Because dreams are powerful things. But from a distance, here's what distance can do to your dreams. Distance actually creates distortion. You see, when you see a dream, you get this zoomed out view of it. And everything looks good from a distance, right? You don't see the blemishes. You don't see the scars. You don't see, you take a physical picture of yourself. When you zoom out on the picture of yourself, everyone looks better from a distance, right? And then you start zooming in and you see all the flaws and you start to critique your own self. And, but from a distance, this is where people make all kinds of mistakes because they only view and recognize their dream from a distance. And what happens is we begin to, from a distance, we begin to oversimplify things. This is where Joseph makes the mistake. He says, oh, I'm going to be king, and this is going to be easy. Because Joseph relates the distance and forgets about the traveling distance between where he sees the dream to the destination of having it fulfilled. Oh, you got to catch this tonight. Somebody needs this so badly tonight. From a distance, everything gets distorted, and we begin to oversimplify the dream. And you think, this is going to be awesome. God has given me this dream. I'm going to go do this. This is going to be easy. And everything looks better from a distance, right? It looks good. This is going to be so awesome. This is going to be so amazing. I, I got this dream. I'm going to go and do this. Listen, I had this, I had this uh, friend of mine, and we were at a junior high convention. This is before I was youth pastoring. I was working back at Lakeshore Camp the day. And I would just travel around to these events and I would help the district youth director out and do various things. And so we were out in the, it was the last service. I remember we were in Kingston. It was the last service and me and my buddy were standing out there and he was kind of working for me a little bit at the camp. He wasn't in ministry yet at the time. And so we're standing there. The last service, the speaker's up on the platform preaching away and we had packed up everything. We're ready to go right after service. And he's standing there and he turns to me. I, I see him. He's really quiet and he's just eyeing up the speaker on the platform. And like hundreds of junior highs there in Kingston are listening and so attentive to this speaker. And he turns to me. He says, and he points at the speaker. He says, one day that's going to be me. I said, oh, cool. Yeah, I'm, one day that's going to be me up there. I said, all right, that's cool. See, he had this dream. But the distance from where he was standing to the platform, he had forgotten about a bunch of things. You see, when you see the dream from a distance, this is where people begin to idolize somebody's platform, and they forget they actually had to go through a pit and a prison to get to that platform. And it's real easy from a distance, the distorted view that we get, to view a dream and have a dream for yourself and go, I want that. What that person is doing, that looks so good. And we do this with social media all the time, right? We look at somebody and we get this distorted view because we don't see the flaws. We don't Because people only ever post their best, their highlight reel. We don't see the 17 takes it took to get that perfect photo. All the duck faces and the, all this stuff. We don't see all those that didn't go so great. 
You see, from a distance, we get this distorted view, and we begin to idolize people's positions, their platforms, and we forget the road they had to travel to get there. Distance creates distortion. We oversimplify from a distance. We think things look better from a distance. And this is where leaders actually begin to come up with strategies based upon what they saw from a distance. And they come up with these strategies like, okay, God showed me this vision. I had this dream that I'm going to preach to thousands of people. And, and then the next day they start putting the strategy, well, I better put a website together and make up my profile and put it online and let everybody know. I remember early on in ministry having somebody come to me and say, hey, would you like to be a part of this website we're making? We're going to do the speaking tour and do all this stuff. And I was just like, it just didn't sit right with me. I'm thinking in my mind, if God has that for me, if that's God's dream for my life, then it's already in me. I don't need to make it happen. I don't need to make a name for myself. God will open the right doors if I'm to do that. If that's what God has for me, I just need to be faithful with what he's put in front of me. Because the dream's already in me. But it's not for me. Distance creates distortion. See, I, I remember my grandfather, I, I've told this story many times and spoken across this district, and so forgive me if you've heard the story. We shared our story with our youngest daughter, Sophie, and her health complications, everything else. I won't get into that in detail, but what I do want to say is there was, a, there was a moment through the journey with Sophie, and we're still in it with Sophie. There was, a, there was a point in the journey where I remember when, when God gave a dream to my grandfather. And he showed my grandpa a picture, a Bible-believing man, man of God. He showed a picture to my grandfather of our daughter walking around, having fun. I don't even know what she was doing, but she had a full head of hair. And, and I remember him sharing the, this dream with us. We were at a family, or my dad was telling me about a dream that grandpa had the other night, and I was excited. But it's really easy to be excited from a distance. See, we had no idea that after that dream would come, it would actually get worse, not better. Before we saw any sign of that coming to life, the dream that he had. Had no idea it would actually get worse before it got better. got to be very careful if you only ever view the dream from a distance. Be very, very careful. You don't oversimplify things. Because this is when people let go of the dreams because it stops looking like what you saw. And that's when we find ourselves moving to the different perspective, the next perspective, which is in the details. God gives us a dream from a distance, and then we begin to live it out in the details. This is the development phase. This is the zoomed-in version where you zoom right into every day. Most of our lives is spent right here in the development phase. And guess what? God's not just developing the dream in the details. He's developing the dreamer. That's actually more important than the dream. This is where we, the dreamer, gets developed. But man, this can be a dark place. This can be so dark. This can be so discouraging. There can be day after day where there seems like nothing is changing, nothing is shifting, and this looks nothing like what I saw from a distance, God. Where are you now? Where's the dream? 
It looked so easy from a distance. I didn't know it would be this tough. And see, the reason that God doesn't give us the details, he doesn't show us a picture of the details when we see it from a distance is because many of us would turn the other way and we would run the other way. Man, if God showed me the details of my life, when he gave me a dream, if he showed me everything I'd have to walk to get there, I'd probably tap out. I'm just being honest. What about you? Would you still be here in this room? If God showed you the details you were going to have to go through to get to the the dream that you saw from a distance, would you still be sitting here tonight? That's why he doesn't show us the details. Because he knows we'd run. But the details are actually more important than what you saw from a distance. This is where he makes you. This is where he develops you. This is where he strengthens you. And it's in the details, guys, listen to me. I'm preaching to myself tonight. It's in the details where we need to do two things. We need to remain faithful to two things in our lives. That's all we have to do in the details. Remember, the dream's going to follow you. But you've got to remain faithful. The first area that we need to be faithful to in the details is your character. Remain faithful to your character. This is so important. So much to be said about character. You see, God has something for you in the distance that you saw, but guess what? You're, you're, you, need to get, you need to get this tonight. Your competency, your charisma, your capacity, your capacity even as a leader, it might get you there, but it won't sustain you once you get there. It won't hold you there. Listen, you're... Your talent, your good looks, whatever you think you got, all that, it might get you to a platform, it might get you the position, but it will not keep you there. And so this is why God takes us through the details, because he sees everything. We only see a a short, small glimpse, but he sees everything from a distance, and he sees in the details. And it's in the details where he's developing your character. And so he takes Joseph through these character tests exactly what Joseph was going through. He gets to Potiphar's house, okay? Guess what happens there? Read about it later in your own time. But he actually prioritized. The Bible says he had this commitment to God, even in the details. This didn't look like what Joseph saw. I've been sold twice now. I spent some time in a cistern, in a dried up old cistern. Now I've been sold twice by my own family members. And here I am in, in Potiphar's house working as a slave. But what does the Bible say? It says he remained committed to God. And what happens? He finds favor with Potiphar because of his commitment to God. What's the principle there? Fear of God is always followed by the favor of God. That's the principle you need to catch tonight. You see, he feared God. God remained a commitment, a top priority for Joseph. Even as a slave, God remained committed to to Potiphar. He feared God. Committed to God and finds favor not just with God but with man. The fear of God is always followed by the favor of God. If you will remain committed even in your prison, even in your slavery, in the details, God will be faithful to you. And so he finds favor and and Potiphar actually puts him in charge of so many things. His entire house even. Everything Joseph is in charge of. What happens was... 
Potiphar's wife, bum, bum, bum. she gains some eyes for Joseph. Joseph is a good-looking dude. And Potiphar's wife lacks the commitment she should have to her own husband. And so one thing leads to another, and she tries to entice Joseph to sleep with her. Yeah. This is what happens. It's in the Bible, guys. This, these real-life stories in the Bible. Check it out. Okay, she, she tries to sleep with Joseph. And what does Joseph do? It, this just amazes me. That Joseph doesn't just say, you know what, no. The Bible actually says literally that he ran the other way. He ran. Like, get me out of here as fast as I, I'm not going to mess around with this. I'm not going to play with fire. Some of you need to hear that tonight. I'm not going to I'm not going to even contemplate this. I'm not going to allow my mind to even go there. I'm going to run the other direction. And so that's exactly what he does. He runs the other direction so much so that she actually grabs his cloak to hold him back and he leaves it there. He's like, "Forget about it. I don't even need it. I'm just I'm out of here. This is not right." He remains faithful to his character. And as a result, he gets falsely accused and thrown in prison. She goes and makes up this story to her husband that he did this and tried to sleep with her, and Potiphar throws him in jail. How do you like that for remaining faithful to your character? How's that for a reward? Guess what? When you remain faithful to your character, this is actually God's testing ground. This is where God wants to test you. And what I've found in my own life is character tests, you can't study for them. They're pop quizzes. Can't study for a, for, a, for a character test. They just come at you, and you don't know when the next one's coming. They're pop quizzes. And so you gotta be, you got to be committed to God just as Joseph was. That's where I believe he got the strength to remain faithful to his characters because the Bible says he had this commitment to God first and foremost. And so because of his commitment to God, he's able to remain faithful to his character. And so he's, uh-uh. Not doing that, not going there. This is God's testing ground. Why would God test Joseph like that? When nobody can even really see, like nobody's there to notice this. It's just Potiphar, Potiphar's wife. Like this is not what Joseph saw from a distance. If, if there was a time to actually let go of your character, this would be the time. Who really cares anymore? That dream of me being king, like I'm, I'm done with that. That must have been, I had too much pizza the night before. That was a crazy dream. That must have been just me. Uh, who cares about this whole character thing? Look, I've spent some time in a pit. I've now been sold twice by my own family. Now I'm, I'm going to prison. I should have just slept with her. If there was a time to tap out on your character, this was it. But this was God's testing ground. Because why? Because God always tests us privately before he can trust us publicly. God wants to test you privately before he ever gives you anything publicly to know if you can be trusted publicly. That's why the character tests often come in private, because God wants to see, are you really who you say you are in private before I'll ever give you a stage, before I'll ever give you a platform, before I'll ever give you an audience, before I'll ever give you the throne to be king over the people of Egypt. I want to know, can I trust you privately, Joseph, when nobody's looking? When you could have got away with it, remain faithful to your character.
It's so important. There's so much to be said about your character. It's probably the most important thing that you could care for in your life is your character. Your character. And don't let anyone else tempt you, rob you, to flaw your character. That's up to you to actually guard. That's up to you to take care of. That's up to you, leader. I remember my first place of ministry where I was a youth pastor. And I won't go into details of the story, crazy story, crazy long story, but uh, my first pastor that I worked for there, church was going well, I was hired, uh, church was at like capacity and we were about to go into a building program and, and then all of a sudden in a matter of a week, everything came crumbling down. Church split, my senior pastor was arrested, uh, it, was just, it was just a mess, like I don't have time to tell you the story. It would probably blow some of you. You'd be like, what? It's crazy. And I remember through that, okay, this pastor that, that actually hired me, the man that I chose to go and work for, calls me up one night. And because of some things and some events that had happened that week, he talked to me about a certain situation that had happened that week. And he said to me, hey, basically, he told me, uh, I'm going to be questioned by the authorities, by police and lawyers probably or whatever. And he basically told me over the phone that night, he said, but you can't dare tell the truth or they'll put me away. I said, wait a second. Are you asking me to lie? He said, well, you know, you, if you tell the truth, like, I'll be done. I said, listen, Pastor. I still call him pastor to this day. Why am I able to do that? Because you can lose for respect for somebody and still honor somebody's position that God has put them in. Honor and respect are two totally different things. Respect is earned. Honor is given based upon position and authority that God has given somebody. That's a freebie. I said, Pastor, are you telling me to lie? He said, you just can't tell the truth. I said, Pastor, I love you. I came to work for you. A lot of the reason had to do with you, and I wanted to work with you. And I'll do a lot of things for you. I'll submit to your leadership. I'll do a lot of, I'll serve you. I'll do a lot of things. But there's one thing I won't lay down for you, and that's my character. And it, in his next breath, he didn't even hesitate. He began to say, well, it didn't really, ha he basically told me it didn't really happen. And that was the end of our conversation. Why would God test me like that? Because I was a week into ministry, that's why. This is my first place. Because God tests you privately before he ever trusts you publicly. Can you be trusted? Even when it's tough, even when it's somebody close to you, can I trust you? Remain faithful to your character. That's exactly what Joseph did. The second thing he remained faithful to is this. He remained faithful, not just to his character. Remember, we're in the details now. We're in the development phase. We're in, we're in the darkness. We're in the despair of pit, slavery, now prison. This is not fun anymore. This looks nothing like what I saw from a distance. 
And so Joseph gets there in prison and he remains faithful, not just to his character, but now to his calling. He's faithful to his calling. And what happens is, as he's in prison, once again, the Bible talks about it. You can read it for yourself if you don't believe me. I encourage you to read it. The Bible says that he prioritized, even in prison, he prioritized the presence of God. That'll preach right there. He prioritized the presence of God in his prison. And so he finds favor because of that. Once again, favor follows the fear of God. And he finds favor with the prison guard. And the prison guard puts him in charge of certain individuals in the prison. Once again, he rises to a leadership position. No matter where he goes, Joseph seems to rise. Why? Because of his commitment to God. Faithful to character and to calling. And so he gets this leadership position in the prison. And then one night, this crazy night, these two guys have this dream on the same night. Coincidence? I don't think so. Has this crazy dream. These two guys come to him and they have a dream on the same night. Coincidence? Uh Uh-uh. Why would these guys have a dream on the same night? Because your dream follows you. That's why. Because when it's a God-given dream and the dream's in you that's from God, it will follow you. And so God is actually working through this dream he's given them. So these two guys have this dream. They come to to Joseph, and what does Joseph do? He interprets, he, he says, don't interpretations belong to God? That's what he says in the scripture. Don't the interpretations belong to God? And then he says, tell me your dreams. Go ahead, tell me. Tell me your dreams, guys. What's he doing there? He's engaging in his calling in the midst of his prison. Oh, man, you need to get this. He's engaged, because this is when we tap out, leaders. This is when we quit. We're in a prison. We've been in here way too long. This doesn't look like what we saw from a distance. And so we check out of our calling altogether. We say, you know what? That's it. I'm done. I'm not going to do what God's gifted me to do anymore. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to speak. I'm not going to preach. I'm not going to write. I'm not going to make videos. I'm not, I'm not going to sing. Because this looks nothing like what you promised, God. Where are you now? Joseph could have been curled up in the corner, sucking his thumb, whining. How am I in prison? I've been in a pit already. I've been sold twice. I've been a slave. I've been falsely accused. Now I'm in prison. I'm done. I can't take it anymore. This looks nothing like what I saw from a distance. But Joseph, I'm not talking about a feeling, leaders. I'm not saying he felt like doing this. This is not about a feeling. This is about remaining faithful to his calling. Joseph says, go ahead, tell me your dreams. He's engaging in the calling God had over his life. Even in his prison, he says, okay, I'll do it. Sign me up. I'll I'll still be faithful. God, I don't know what you're up to. God, this looks nothing like what I saw, but I'll keep doing what I know you've put in me to do. And there's one thing I can do. I can't maybe do a whole lot, but I can interpret dreams. So go ahead, tell me your dream. And these guys tell him. And he interprets both of them. He says, this is going to happen to you, buddy. Sorry, you're actually going to die. <laughs> Don't hate me. I'm just the interpreter. <laughs> 
and you're going to go on and get your position back. But hey, when you get the position, by the way, BTW, don't forget about me in here in prison. Don't forget about who interpreted your dream for you. The guy goes out, exactly what Joseph said happens to both these guys, and the guy he told not to forget about his dream actually forgot about him. Like, can it get any worse for Joseph? But Joseph, let me go back to this. Joseph prioritized the presence of God in his prison. Somebody needs to hear tonight that you just need to go back to prioritizing his presence again. You've been in prison for way too long. You see, when you refuse to remain faithful to your calling, to the things God puts in front of you to do, even though you're in a prison, when you refuse to be faithful to those things, guess what happens? You're actually destroying your pathway out of your prison. Some of you are wondering why you've been there so long. It's because you've, you've stopped doing the things God's called you to do in the midst of your prison. That's why you're still there. You could eradicate, you could shorten the length of time if you would just start doing what he's called you to do again. Joseph remains faithful to his calling. Guess what? Interpreting that dream is the very thing that actually got him out of prison. Because the guy eventually does remember again. Because the king has a dream. A couple years later, king has a dream. And the guy who Joseph interpreted his dream that was in prison with him, says, hey, I know a guy. <laughs> I got a guy for that. There's an app for that. His name's Joseph. He's in prison. He can actually do what you're looking to have done. He interpreted my dream. It happened exactly as he said, and I can go get him for you. He says, okay, bring him to me. If you would just prioritize the presence of God again, some of you have shut the presence of God out of your life because it's been so dark, so painful, so discouraging. You're just done. I, I can't do, I don't have the strength. I, I, I just, you do. Actually, God has put the strength in you. That's an excuse. It's a cop-out. I'm not talking about a feeling. I'm not saying you're going to feel like prioritizing his presence in the midst of your prison, but you need to go back to it. It's actually a part of the piece, the missing link to your pathway out, and then you need to be faithful to what he puts in front of you. If you would do that, if you would remain faithful to, to the character and remain faithful to the calling that God has put on your life. God will lead you to what you saw from a distance. I don't know when. I don't know how. I don't know how many years are in between what you saw and the details of that, the road to that. But I do know he's faithful. And I do know his promises are true. Why is this so important? I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. Just join me if you would. We're going to wrap this up. Why is this so important? Because you've got to be able to distinguish what lens you're viewing your dream from. If you don't know the lens, if you don't know if you're looking at it from a distance or from the details, this is what can happen. You'll let a dream die. Listen to me. Don't miss this. You'll let a dream die in the details because you fell in love with it from a distance. This is what happens to leaders, especially. You let a dream die in the details because you fell in love with it. It looks so good from a distance. I mean, you were zoomed out. And we're going to be young in ministry. We're going to go and take our city. It's going to be awesome. Oh, I had no idea we'd go through this as a family. I had no idea we'd face this and 
in our home. I had no idea that, that we'd, we'd lose a student. I had no idea that in the details it gets discouraging because the distance distorted your view. And it looks so good. It looks so simple, so easy. I'm going to go into full-time ministry. I'm going to be a, a children's pastor. I'm going to reach kids for Jesus. But I've been facing depression for the past four years. I can hardly get out of bed in the morning. I'm going to be a youth pastor. I'm going to go win souls for Jesus. We're going to take that high school over there. I'd have no idea that my lead pastor wants me in the office 9 to 5 every day of the week. I can't even get out to be in the high school. It's in the details where it's tough. It's hard to stay positive. And it's in the details where you can allow the details to dictate the source of your dream. And you go from thinking this was a God-given thing to maybe this is just wrong altogether. Maybe this just needs to die because I feel like I'm dying. Stop allowing the details to dictate the source of your dream, leaders. This can't be God anymore. Would God let me go through a pit, through prison, through a literal hell? He said I was going to be king. Where are you? He's right there in the details with you. That's where he is. He hasn't left you. He hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't forsaken you. Not for a minute. He's there in your details. He's there every day. What he's doing is he's developing you, the dreamer, so that people can look at you and say, Man, I don't know how I could do what you're doing. You're going through all that pit and prison and junk, and yet you're still here. Here comes the dreamer. The dreamer's alive. That doesn't make sense to the world. For some of you, you just need to go back to what you saw from a distance tonight and just picture it again. Not in a distorted view, not thinking it's going to be easy just because the picture looks good. But hey, I might have to go through some details to get there, but I just need to be reminded tonight. I just need God to show me again the picture. Because right now all I see is the details. And man, it's tough. Man, it's been hard. Man, I've been in this prison for so long, I had no idea it would be this long. I'm believing God is going to wake up some dreamers again tonight. That Holy Spirit is moving and stirring in this room and going to resuscitate some dead dreams. That He's going to revive some dreamers again to dream for the impossible, to catch a dream, a God-given dream, not your dream, but a God-given dream. 
to say, just because I'm in a prison, just because this is a pit that doesn't look like what I saw from a distance, I know God's still at work, and I'm getting there. I'm still moving the right direction. I'm not quitting. I'm going to be faithful to my calling. I'm going to be faithful to my character. And knowing that God will be faithful to me, if I prioritize his presence, guys, this is my journey. God gave me a dream years ago. After I laid down this one, I picked up the God-given one he put inside of me. God showed me some things. He gave me some visions. He gave me some dreams, some God-given ones. I've still yet to see them. The way I saw them years ago. Can I just tell you, I had, I had no idea it would take this long. I had my timeline. It was going to be by this date we'd see this happen. Some of you have your own timelines. Can I just tell you something? Just throw them out. I'm not saying throw away goals and, and smart goals and all of that good stuff that we learn and we train our leaders to learn and, and, and objectives and, and wins. What's a win? I'm not talking about that. But God's timing is impeccable. It's actually perfect. Stop thinking you got to get to this and have this by this date, by this time, by this age, and this stage of life. I want to be here. I want to be doing this. And just go back to being faithful with what he puts in front of you. Just go back to being faithful to your character and the tests that come along the way. And just let him and his timeline work it out. I've had to lay down my timeline. Say, God, you know what? I'm done with having a timeline for my life. Whatever you want to do. You know what? I think that's ultimately where God wants every one of us to get to. Will you just throw your hands up and say, okay, God, I'm yours. You gave me the dream. I saw it from a distance. This looks nothing like it, but I know you're faithful and you're going to get me there. I'll just be faithful to you in the meantime. I brought a, a picture here. There's nothing crazy about the picture. It's actually just uh, it's, uh, a bunch of little kids playing hockey on some ice, some frozen ice and back in the day. It's an older picture, like a vintage one. You maybe can't see it a whole lot. This looks, looks really good and happy from out there, from a distance. It's the it's the, the dream from a distance. Looks great. No blemishes. No scars. No rips. This is actually a picture of a, of a puzzle. And I started working on it before service tonight. And it's a 400-piece puzzle. And I started putting some of it together. And this is the actual picture, just a corner of it, just a piece of it. see from a distance if this thing was all put together it would look spectacular it would look awesome and from a distance it's tough to see the lines and the cracks but piece by piece as you put this thing together and you piece it together there's actually some strength that comes with it through the cracks through the development phase of this puzzle it actually becomes strong I can't rip it I can't tear it it's actually really strong but it's full of cracks 
It's full of the details, the detailed work you can't see from out there, but I can see it up here. I'm zoomed in. But from a distance, this picture is actually weak. I could tear it. I could rip it apart. Even though it looks good to you, it has no strength. It's actually very weak. God's not just developing the dream in you. He's developing you, the dreamer. And he's making you strong through your details, through your prison, through your pit, through your false accusations, through all of it. He's actually strengthening you through the lines of this thing. He's actually putting you together piece by piece. And he's making you so strong, dreamer. And so tonight we're going to close. And I got a bunch of puzzle pieces all over this altar up here. And so in a moment, I'm going to ask you to come if you would like, and you could come grab a piece as a little takeaway from the message tonight to remember, you might be in the details, but God's developing you in the details. If he just gave you the dream from a distance and let you have it from a distance, there'd be no strength to it. You wouldn't even appreciate it as much because you didn't work for it have to go through anything to get there. It would be weak. And it probably wouldn't last. This is why leaders fall. Because they get to what they saw in a distance too soon. Ahead of schedule. They didn't go through the proper pits and the prisons that God had. They bypassed them. They took shortcuts. They ended up getting there and they didn't have the character to sustain them once they got there. God's developing you tonight. He's developing you tonight. So I want you to stand all across this room. Worship team is going to lead us in this song again we sang earlier. Not for a minute was I forsaken. Not for a minute has he forgotten about you and the dream he's put in you. And guess what? What I've learned in my own life some of you are going through dark times and it just feels so dark right now tonight. It's hard to even take this message in because all you've experienced is darkness over darkness upon darkness upon more darkness. Guess what? So oftentimes in the midst of darkness, God is closer than he's ever been. Why? Because he's actually hiding you in the shadow of his wings. And it's under the shadow of his wings, it's actually really, really dark but he's still just as close. He's actually closer for some of you than he's ever been, even though you, all you've been experiencing is darkness. He's right there in the details, friends. He's right there in the details. So I'm going to pray for you. And in a moment, when I say amen, I want you to come. You can grab a piece. And then I want you to stretch across this altar, and I want you to respond as a leader in this room. Maybe you've got a dead dream tonight you've let go of in the details. Maybe you don't feel like you even know what that God-given dream is for you. I, I believe God's going to birth in, in some young leaders some brand new dreams you've never seen before. Tonight, right here, right now, some of you will point back to initiate 2018. I remember that Friday night when God gave me a dream. For others, he wants to minister to you. Some of you older leaders that have been through some stuff, you just need to come and allow God to minister to your heart. You're not on tonight, okay? Just come and let him do his work tonight.